0: The final Medicare and Medicaid bill passed both Houses of Congress by an overwhelming vote. President Johnson signed the bill, making it the law of the land, July 30, 1965, in Independence, Missouri, in the presence of former President Truman. Later, President Johnson helped President Truman sign up for the voluntary part of Medicare. They told me, President Truman, that if you wish to get the voluntary medical insurance, (laughs) that you'll have to sign this application form. (laughs) (laughs) And they asked me to sign as your (laughs) witness. So you're getting special treatment since cards won't go out to the other folks until the end of this month. (laughs) But we wanted you to know, and we wanted the entire world to know, that we haven't forgotten.
1: No, Who is the real daddy of Medicare?
2: Hi, I'm Cheryl Atkinson. Welcome to Washington Unplugged. Former President Lyndon B. Johnson passed Medicare legislation in just a little more than six months from his inauguration. While his party held both houses in Congress, much like today, many felt his inside negotiations and political savvy sealed the deal. We'll have a discussion about how President Obama's health care cause could benefit from lessons of the president's past. But first, listen how recordings of LBJ tell the story of Medicare legislation.
1: I will faithfully execute It was
2: 1965 president johnson had been elected in a landslide he made medicare hospital coverage for the elderly a top priority
0: i'll spend the goddamn money i may cut back some tanks but not on health
3: johnson pushed medicare and medicaid like his life depended on it he said that when john kennedy died it was up to him to make kennedy a martyr and the causes he picked for the martyred president, are civil rights, Medicare, and Medicaid.
2: Like today, Democrats held a majority in Congress, yet sweeping national health care was far from assured. One of Medicare's Uh, toughest opponents was conservative Southern Democrat Wilbur Mills, who Uh, fretted about the cost and idea of socializing medicine. It was Mills who led the powerful committee that controlled the fate of any Medicare bill, and Mills who'd blocked Kennedy's Medicare efforts. He didn't hesitate to raise the issue of cost, with President Johnson,
0: the only thing I'm concerned about, and I'm very frank about it, is that there's about 450 million dollars in this bill out of the general funds of the Treasury for which you haven't budgeted your uh, your uh, situation. Yeah, but I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll do that.
2: Johnson prodded Mills relentlessly and finally won his support, offering, then giving him full credit.
0: I want to ask Chairman Mills now to uh, make a brief statement concerning this program that his committees worked out.
2: Johnson knew he also had to woo conservative Democrats in the Senate, led by Dick Russell. In a phone call with newly elected Senator Ted Kennedy, Johnson told Kennedy it was important to control the message on cost, lest Senator Russell find out. My
0: health program yesterday runs $300 million, But the fools had to go to projecting it down the road five or six years. And when you project it the first year, it runs $900 million. But the first thing Dick Russell comes running in say, my God, you've got a billion-dollar program for next year on health, therefore I'm against any of it now. Do you follow me? Right, right. Now, we don't want to stir up any more hornets, and we have to. He thought that if people knew the
3: full cost of Medicare, it would never have passed. And he kept trying to lowball the
2: estimates. There was powerful opposition outside of Congress too, some of which was viewed as inevitable by the President and his key aide on Medicare.
0: What are the insurance companies? Are they still raise hell, Well, man? yes, they? I think they're going to go over to the Senate and raise uh, hell uh, on the uh, thing, because quite, uh, quite frankly, uh, there's no longer any room for the private insurance companies to sell insurance policies for people over 65 when you take the combination of hospital care and the uh, physician service. Yeah, okay. I think that's
2: wonderful. With Johnson's near-daily involvement from start to finish, Medicare was passed and signed into law a little more than six months after his inauguration, July 30th, 1965.
4: Welcome to another episode of Single Payer Radio. Single-payer radio is a project of Kentuckians for single-payer health care. We are an affiliate of the Kentucky chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program and we broadcast our program each week from the Habern building in downtown Louisville. We believe a national publicly funded nonprofit single-payer system is the solution to the current system that values profit over patients and leaves over 100 million of us in medical debt. And we're a long-standing community partner with WFMP 1065 Forward Radio. The views and opinions expressed on our show are those of the speakers and not the station. I'm Mark McKinley, a volunteer with the group. Single-payer radio can be heard on WFMP 1065 on Mondays at 2 p.m., Tuesdays at 7 a.m., and Wednesdays at 11 a.m. If you can't pick up our radio signal, you can live stream us at forwardradio.org. You can also go to forwardradio.org and listen to past programming. WFMP 1065 is an all volunteer station. We rely on you for your ideas and our funding. Please join us forwardradio.org. This week's episode is reporting from is reporting from Washington DC. Kentuckians for Single Payer Health Care members, Steve Katz, Paul and Phyllis Hoppe, and I joined others from across the country in a march and rally. To celebrate the 57th anniversary of the signing of Medicare into law and to call for an expanded and improved Medicare for All program. The event also served to demand an end to the privatization of our Medicare program. Wall Street and private equity firms are taking over our Medicare program. Special thanks to Lexington-based KSPH member Steve Katz. Steve was involved with the organizing committee for this event and I rode up to DC with Steve. And. Big thanks to Steve and Kentuckians for single payer health care for covering our transportation cost, and uh, we stayed at a hotel up there Friday. The first group of speakers you'll hear were recorded as we waited for our Capitol Police escort for the morning's march portion. Uh, We marched up to the ellipse across from the U.S. Capitol. And
5: then you'll hear. Hi, I'm Thomas Brockmeyer. I'm a retired orthopedic surgeon from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I uh, was in practice for about 35 years in orthopedics and saw that a lot of people uh, weren't getting the care they need or they were putting it off. I dismiss this as a, just a problem of the health system that couldn't be repaired and uh, it's become clear to me that uh, there is a way to fix it and that is our, what we're talking about here today, which is Medicare for all, it's a simple solution. Um, you know, I've also come to this conclusion as a, as a cancer patient myself, it really has helped me gain insight onto the other side of healthcare and all of the problems that are attendant to uh, not having a single payer, and uh, not having access to medications uh, by patients. They, you know, my my cancer medicine alone costs sixteen thousand dollars a month, and uh, even with Medicare as it's currently constructed, that still ends up with an eight hundred dollar copay to pay each and every each and every month, and many. Many people uh, would not be able to do that, would uh, not be able to seek the care and get the excellent care that I get. So uh, that's why I'm here today, is to uh, bring this to the nation's attention, that this is a problem that has to be solved and that can be solved very simply. And on the what, the 57th anniversary of uh, Medicare, uh, it's the most timely time to be in Washington to say that there's a simple solution that just involves improving Medicare and making it available to uh, all Americans and all residents of this country, in fact, uh, whatever their age.
3: My name is Zach Schimmel, and I got involved with the March for Medicare for All because I find that there's a problem with the healthcare system in this country when we have big companies from big pharma and the private healthcare industry making obscene amounts of profit while we can't even guarantee healthcare to every person in this country.
6: Uh, My name's Steve Katz and um, I'm a member of uh, Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare and I also dabble with the March for Medicare for All and National Single Payer. Uh, uh, It's, uh, I believe, you know, uh, uh, an issue that Um, is maybe the single most vital issue for uh, the average person that, you know, has to survive in this country uh, and does not have access to medical care or adequate medical care. And uh, uh, the expense of it all is uh, obscene, uh, the way that uh, it's monetized in this country so that what is considered a human right in most of the world is uh, a privilege in this country, and that's got to change. So uh, uh, I'm here along with uh, a couple of other folks. Zach is going to be one of the speakers at the march today, and uh, so is uh, Anna Malinow, who is uh, the head of um, National Single Payer.
7: Hi, my name is Anna Malinow. I am a pediatrician and a past president of Physicians for National Health Program. And I'm not the head, but I'm one of the lead organizers for National Single Payer. We're a grassroots national organization that um, has three non-negotiable principles. One is healthcare care is a human right. Two, healthcare care must be free from corporate profits, and three, national legislation, um, will be required in order for us to have national single-payer. I am thrilled to be here with March for Medicare for All, joining them in this fight, which is just so critical for every person living in this country. And um, I'm honored and excited to be here today. Thank you.
8: Yeah, my name is Matt Lucene. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, 35 years old, um, family, three kids, Healthcare. care very important to me, um, and I, I hate the way that we have polarized Medicare for all as a, a partisan issue. It prevents uh, a lot of Republicans from coming on board to this um, this issue, which I think probably they would be really mad about if they really understood what was going on and, and who's lying to them in positions of power right now uh, to try and convince them that Medicare for all is some kind of uh, big government takeover, um, super-duper socialism, and it's evil. I don't think that's right at all. So I'm kind of here to show my support for this and um, and try and break down that partisan wall a little bit.
1: Hello, my name is Lamont, I am uh, from Baltimore. and. Uh, I'm here supporting medicare for all. I just feel that um, in this country uh, so often people are destroyed uh, by medical bills. Um, Lives are lost every year uh, and it just doesn't have to be. We're the only developed nation in the world that doesn't uh, provide universal health care for their Uh, for their citizens. Um, I recently heard a story uh, about a former senator, I believe his name was Max Bacchus, uh, from Montana. Uh, Max Bacchus was uh, an ardent opponent of Medicare for All, often arguing with Bernie Sanders uh, against it. Well, apparently his town in Montana uh, had some incident, I believe it possibly with mining or industrial of some sort, uh, and now, uh, that town is the only town in the United States with Medicare for All. Uh, Senator Backett saw fit to take care of his people, and I don't know if it's something he realized after he left um, that it was a system that could work here, or maybe he knew all along. And, um, you know, took the ideas that he saw that he fought so hard against and used it for uh, the people in his life. Whatever the case, I'm still thankful. Uh, for that gentleman and for that town for showing the rest of the country exactly what could be um, for all of us, it's very important. I just lost my mother last year um, in April, and uh, seeing you know the, the bills come in, you know my Medicare was a huge huge help, and I could not have taken care of her without it. Um, I was a primary caregiver for her, and it made all the difference in the world to have that support. Um, if only. Uh, so many more of us, uh, in all ages and all people, could have that same uh, that same gift, and that's exactly what it is—a gift that can work. Um, the plan is there. The money is certainly there. Um, you know, so much of the money that we spend on healthcare goes towards things like um, marketing and billing. I believe 21% of all uh, the money that we spend on healthcare is, goes towards to bill you. So that's awful, Uh, and I'm just here to to raise my voice and be a part of the fight for this. I think it's worthy.
4: Hi, I'm Paul
0: Hoppe from Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm here today to uh, support the uh, movement against the privatization of Medicare and also to try to advance the movement toward Medicare for all, single-payer, Let's get the insurance companies out of our health care.
9: Hi, my name is Ricky Dunlop. I'm from New York City. Uh, I'm one of the volunteers for March for Medicare for All. I'm here because we need national single-payer health care in America. Um, we have a health care system that is very predatory. Uh, it literally exploits our sickest and most disabled people here in this country, and it's uh, it's really horrible to watch, especially over these last couple of years. It's, it's really, really bad, and currently the... Pr- The privatization that started under trump is continuing under the biden administration uh and i'm afraid if we don't get some kind of national system in place in the next eight years or so there might not be a chance to do it ever in this country which is really really sad um considering it's the wealthiest country in the world obviously um so we're we're out here trying to stop dce's direct contracting entities uh which literally scams our seniors uh, and we're also pushing for, imp- uh, improving HR 1976, which is the house bill for Medicare for all and eventually passing that. So we, we want to keep it alive. We know that like Medicare for all was popular when, uh, you know, presidential candidates were talking about it. And when, it, when they're not talking about it, no one cares anymore. People should care. Uh, people should come out uh, and we should demand it. We should get louder and louder and louder. Name where I'm
6: from. Hi,
10: my name is Emily. I'm from Petoskey, Michigan, and I'm here because uh, healthcare is a human right. We're the only industrialization that doesn't have some form of single-payer system Um, and yeah Democrats I think specifically for me are profiting off of keeping Americans sick and dying and uh, riddled with massive debt and so I'm here to really honestly show Democrats specifically and progressive Democrats who run on Medicare for all that um, it's time to do something about it no more uh, egging on our votes just to absolutely do nothing for us and uh, and leave us sick dying and, and riddled with poverty and inflation and state violence and Um, yeah definitely here to to show them uh, that we need Medicare for all that we're out here and and we're dying it's violence it's it's perpetuating violence against American people
6: so that's why I'm here
9: hi uh, my name is Anthony coming at you um, well I'm coming here from Petoskey Michigan Um, I'm here cuz I'm you know I'm a little um, I think everybody should be I call this place Crook Central Um, I mean all the politicians come here to steal all of our tax dollars and put it towards endless wars or to give it to their rich friends that allow them to be in office. So um, I think the people need to basically mandate them ourselves, and that's what we're doing today by going to the Capitol and uh, basically not just advocating for health care for all, it's time to fight for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's my biggest motivation for being here.
5: Hi, my name is Jeff Ginter. I'm a medical assistant. I live in the Jersey Shore. Uh, I see every day the failures of our for profit healthcare system. When people complained about death panels with Obamacare, the only reason there were death panels with Obamacare is because you have insurance companies still. It is a giveaway to insurance companies. That's all it is. Having insurance is no guarantee of care.
10: <laughs> okay. Hey, Parker, why don't you hold that for me? How's everybody doing? Okay, I want you to let me talk a minute. You know, okay? <laughs> so this is my uh, life these days and they're too soon to be my son and daughter and what they've been doing for the past fifteen years. I'm not mace.
11: I'm to
10: start And you're mason, that's right. They're very rainbow Very brave children <laughs> working very hard <laughs> to overcome what they've been through. So I'm very sorry. proud of them. Um so anyway, I want to thank all of you for being out here today. This struggle's gone on for a long time and it continues and it will continue until we win because one day we are going to win.
8: We can't continue on this path.
10: And I just wanted to quickly share a story with you about the, the power. Hey, Macy, you're going to stand up. Um, the power of a small group of people because sometimes we don't feel like we have power. But we really do. The powerful, the, the wealthy ruling class—they're afraid of us. They're afraid of us when we're effective. They're afraid of us when we're smart. When we take, you know, action—serious, uh, focused action. And back in 2009, 2010, when the health reform process was going on,
3: there a lot
8: there were a lot of efforts to uh,
10: shut out our people to create legislation which they succeeded in that would enrich please, please. the medical industrial complex. But a small group of us separated away from this. And these were progressive organizations that were facilitating the passage of le- legislation that would continue to discriminate against people, make health care unaffordable, and enrich the pharmaceutical and insurance corporations. But a small group of us decided that we were going to do what we could do we were focused. We knew that we had to go to the media, the media was not going to come to us, so we looked for those opportunities and we got ourselves inserted there. We knew that at the hearings, even when they allowed us, it was just performative. In fact, when I testified before the Health, Education, Labor and Pension Committee in 2009, I was at the end of the table. I was off the table, literally. My chair was off the table. So we went to the briefings, we went to the Congress events, we went there and, and we went to their offices. Uh, we, ex- we dropped paper cutouts of dead bodies in the offices of the senators with the number of people in their state that died due to lack of health care. They actually had the nerve to call us and tell us that we were upsetting their staff. We said, how do you think their families feel? I'm unnecessary. But because of that. Because of that pressure that was sustained and focused, we actually got a single-payer bill to the floor of the Senate in December of 2009. We had no budget. (laughs) We were just a small group of people that was very focused and so you can do the same thing. That's the power that we have. We see just this week now, you know, for all its faults, and there are many reasons to criticize the climate legislation in the Senate right now for codifying the drilling of fossil fuels. But that wouldn't have gotten to where it was without sustained action and focused action and demand. So I want you to think of yourselves as powerful change agents and to do what you can to get yourself inserted into the conversation. Howard Zinn told us you need to go where you're not supposed to go, say what you're not supposed to say, and stay when they ask you to leave. That's how we win.
7: Now, I just also want to remind folks
10: that this struggle for our human right to health care is part of a broader struggle for, in the United, for human rights in the United States. And I've been uh, acting in solidarity with a number of Latin American movements over the past years impressive what our friends and family members in Latin America have been able to achieve through real organized resistance and clarity about what they are fighting for. And so I urge you to learn from those movements because talk about taking on the ruling class of the United States. There are a lot of folks who have done that and have succeeded and are continuing to wage that battle which we need to support. So I think of my friends in Colombia and Venezuela and Bolivia and Nicaragua who have had some real serious successes and Honduras lately. Um, So finally I just want to remind you that what we're fighting for with our human rights is what we call the people-centered human rights. And that's a very important framing because we can't allow the ruling class to define what our human rights are for us. We have to organize and define what our human rights are. That's what people-centered human rights are. They're defined by the people, and they are won through struggle. And that's what we will do. We will continue the struggle. Even though I have a lot of attention now, (laughs) focused in other places as I need to, uh, I am still with you in this struggle, and I will be for the long term. So thank you for being here today. Thank you for the work that you're doing, and thank you for allowing me to be part of it.
3: It is so inspiring to see so many of you out here today fighting for justice. My name is Zach Schimmel and I'm a 17 year old organizer for the group who worked so hard to put this all together today, the March for Medicare for All. Let's give a big round of applause for the group. As a young person, I hope that my contribution to this movement can show each and every one of you that we can all help in our own way. And if we hope to win Medicare for All and begin building our vision for America, then we will need everybody's contributions. And your contributions are no doubt being felt out here today. Each and every one of you decided to come here to DC from all over this country to demand Medicare for all. So together we stand here today in solidarity against the greed and corruption of big pharma and the private healthcare industry. Because we know that these companies are responsible for denying so many millions of Americans the care that we need and for placing over 100 million Americans into medical debt. So today we tell those companies that enough is enough. The unfortunate truth in America that we all know so well is that business interests are always prioritized before the interests of the people, and healthcare is no exception. Executives from Big Pharma and the private healthcare industry profit off of our pain and profit off denying us the coverage we need to live happy and healthy lives. So let's face the reality. These executives from these big health companies are oligarchs. They have special political and economic powers. They buy out both sides of our elections to ensure that no matter who wins, their profits are always safe and they are viewed by our politicians as being fundamentally more important than the people. the absurd, business-first laws in this country, these oligarchs are able to legally buy out and own our government. In fact, today in D.C., there are over 1,500 lobbyists from the private healthcare industry, so many of them in that building right behind me, but all of them working to undermine the needs and the will of the American people. to dismantle the influence of these oligarchs and their lobbyists, we must be united in a commitment to boycotting all political candidates who take money not only from the healthcare lobby, but from other special interest lobbies as well. Because we must be smart enough to realize that a politician has never and will never represent both the interests of the ruling class and the interests of the people. And the sad fact is that almost every politician from the two major political parties has decided to defend the ruling class and their special interest groups. But make no mistake about it, There will come a day when we, the people, are in power. And when we are, we will hold accountable every single politician and every single lobbyist who decided to defend the ruling class and turn their back on the people. So how do we work towards a day when we have Medicare for All and when we finally have a government that works for us? First, we have to get rid of the divisive identity politics that have been pushed by the mainstream media and the political establishment for so long because they only seek to divide work. They fear us uniting to support policies that, that benefit all of us. They fear ideas not only for healthcare, but for America. Because if implemented, they would fundamentally change the power structure of our economy and our political system. And their fear should give us even more commitment to ensuring that our vision for America becomes a reality. So instead of playing into identity politics and the culture war, Let's usher in an era of class politics, an era where we work to break down the walls that have been intentionally put up between those of different races, religions, and social ideologies, and an era where we instead come together in a coalition of common Americans against the ruling class and their special interest groups. Those of us out here today have shown a clear rejection of the status quo, where politicians are not only bought out by the healthcare lobby, but the war lobby as well. We refuse to accept their narrative that while we have hundreds of billions of dollars to funnel into endless wars, we can't afford to give healthcare to those at home. And we know that despite what they tell us, those who deny us populist policies like Medicare for All are not located anywhere else in the world except right here in the United States of America. And we also know that the American ruling class is and always will be the only thing standing in the way of the interests of the American people. So we will fight that ruling class, and we're fighting them out here today. We will fight them so that there comes a day when the lobbyists in D.C. no longer determine our nation's policy. So that there comes a day when our government finally works for us and so that there comes a day when all Americans are guaranteed health care through a single payer health care system. Yeah. Yeah. Through our resiliency, we are going to build an America that works in the interests of its people. And although we will be met with stiff resistance from that ruling class, we know that an end to their reign over our country is not only necessary, but also inevitable. Because while they may have the wealth, and while they may have the financial resources, we have the power of the people, and there is nothing stronger than the power of the people. So together, We, the people, are going to win Medicare for all. And together, we, the people, are going to win so much more. Thank you, DC. Good
10: afternoon,
11: everybody. I want to congratulate us on our march march and rally today. And we need to not be disappointed by the numbers. It just means that we planted a seed. We need to organize. And we need to spread the word. And we need to
7: build for a march next
11: year that is 10, 100 times bigger. And we can do it.
7: We all know that in the United States we don't have a health
11: care system, we have a health harm system whose purpose is to enable the CEOs and shareholders of private corporations to exploit us to get horrendously and outrageously rich even though it's killing us. In this country, in this world, 1% of people in this world own 50% of the wealth in the whole world. And most of those people are right here in the United States. They're our oligarchy. This is why, despite having the most expensive healthcare system in the world, Americans are the sickest. And they have the worst health health statistics of the 30 richest nations in the world. We have the worst infant mortality. We have the worst maternal mortality. We have the shortest lifespan. And I could go on and on. This is why we pay two to seven times more for drugs, for medications, including insulin, than anybody else in the world. Why we have the longest and deadliest of wait times. 68,000 people die yearly and 1 million people die during COVID. So next time somebody tells you, oh, in those countries that have Medicare for all, that have single payer healthcare, they have long wait times. Well, why are our wait times so long? People die. And that's what you need to tell them. Why the majority of Americans are being crushed under horrendous debt of which medical debt is a large part, and at least 40% of Americans have medical debt of $5,000 or more. Why our jobs and why our states can prevent your right to control your body and your well-being by offering policies that don't include full reproductive health and don't include things like full mental health services. Why Americans have less free choice to see the doctors they want. Nobody wants to choose an insurance company. We want to see the doctors and healthcare providers we want. Yet we have less free choice than anybody else in the, in the developed world to see who we want, because the private insurance companies decide who we see. Why Americans are the only people in the richest 30 countries that have to do go these? to pay for needed care, and so on. Why don't we have single-payer health care, in other words, improved Medicare for all, and how do we get it? We don't have single-payer health care basically for two reasons. The first is that the private insurance companies, private hospital chains, and big pharma have banded together to form lobbying groups, the biggest of which is the Partnership for Americans' Healthcare Future, to pay off the President and your Congress people to work against your interests and for their greed. There have been studies that show that when the, our oligarchs, when what they want is different from what we need, 85% of the time our politicians go with what those oligarchs want, not with what are the needs of the people. The second reason is that our politicians of both parties have bought the oligarchy's line that their job is to enable the the, the super wealthy to find more and more ways to steal from the public coffers to enrich enrich themselves at the public expense. These political leaders and public officials like Liz Fowler of CMS, and the politicians of both parties, and yes, Biden himself, have bought the line that despite all the evidence of increasing corruption and wealth inequality, that enabling these greedy fat cats to steal our public wealth to f- enrich themselves will somehow improve society. That's what's known as neoliberalism. Well, in healthcare, we can see where that neoliberal philosophy has gotten us, how it has harmed us, and is killing us. And and the prime example is the co- one million COVID deaths. This is why when 70% of the public says it wants comprehensive public health care like Medicare for all, the government is proceeding with direct contracting and ACO reach for Medicare and the dismantling of the VA. This is what President Biden, who received more money from these lobbyists than any other presidential candidate meant when he said nothing will fundamentally change. The corruption of our politicians by these lobbyists and others like it is why your health care costs are going up while your access to care and freedom of choice to pick the health care provider you want is going down. This is why our government is now assisting these thugs in destroying Medicare and deprivatizing and dismantling the VA instead of improving this. According to the federal inspector general's office, the Medicare Advantage companies, which are just private insurance companies, have defrauded the Medicare Trust Fund of at least $10 billion yearly, rapidly draw- drawing down the fund to depletion. The Trump administration came up with an even better way to exhaust the fund through this program called direct contracting. When Biden came into office, did he stop that program? No. He just changed the name to ACO REACH like we were dumb dumbs and made a few cosmetic causes. Why? Because he's marching to the tune of the health-harming insurance and private equity industries to help them get rich at our expense, even if it kills us. This is why, despite massive evidence showing Americans are not overusing health care, they actually use it less than people in other developed countries. this is why the system is increasingly restricting our health care access and leading to greater, not less, racial inequality by, the, by increasing premiums, deductibles, and co-pays. This is why, despite massive evidence showing that this concept of value-based care is a failure in, in terms of containing health care costs and providing quality and equitable care, HHS and CMS are pushing forward privatizing programs like direct contracting and ACO reach. Programs whose real purpose is to help greedy corporations fill their pocketbooks at your expense at the de- to the detriment of the public's health and even to kill you. This is the real reason why Jeff Be- Bezos, I'm sorry, I call him Bozo, but Jeff Bezos, Amazon has now come in for the kill. He's coming for the kill. He wants to get that money. He's not interested in your health care. The problem in our country isn't big versus little government. Government is the infrastructure by which a society gets its needs met. The problem is that the American oligarchs have stolen our government. They've stolen our infrastructure. They've stolen our way of getting our needs met. We need to c- reclaim our government and take it back from them so that we can get our needs for health care and other things met so we can have Medicare for all. To do this, we need to educate our families, our friends, our co-workers, our fellow union members about how our, healthcare s- our health harm system is not working for us even though it's the most expensive in the world and is even killing us. Then we need to mobilize as many people as possible to say to these politicians, we will not vote for you unless you pledge to support a single payer health care system such as Bill H.R. 1976 and you pledge not to take any more funds from these health harming lobbyists. Furthermore, we should join them with other groups pressing for our needs, such as groups pressing to get rid of student loan debt, for, to raise the minimum wage, to reinvest in our public schools, to codify a woman's right to choose, to equitably address our climate change, to expand union rights, and to get and to get gain us paid parental leave and affordable childcare. By the way, we're one of only four countries in the world that doesn't have paid parental leave. We need to be just as forceful and loud as the right and require these candidates to pledge not to take one penny of corporate monies, and to meet our demands for Medicare for All. Thank you.
7: single-player people. Len, uh, thank you so much for hanging on. Uh, let's make some noise. <laughs> what do we want? Medicare for all. When do we want it? Now. What do we want? For all. When do we want it? Now. Everybody in? Nobody Everybody out. out. Everybody in? Alright, I love that energy. Thank you, thank you. It's really great to be here. And I, before I get started, I really want to thank... Uh, some individuals for making this happen. So March for Medicare for All started this uh, planning many, many, many months ago, and I want to thank our wonderful um, MC, Savitz Joy. Thank you, thank you for this great, great effort. I want to thank all of our volunteers, and I'm going to forget some, Emily, Lauren, uh, Ricky, um, uh, okay, so I'm forgetting uh, already. Um, and then I also want to thank Elizabeth, who worked so hard. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to make it. And we are here because of Elizabeth. So thank you so much, Elizabeth. I want to thank our ASL. Thank you so much. I want to thank our all of our volunteers, uh, the people distributing all the water. Thank you. Um, you're making this a great success and, and uh, small small gatherings have really been been at the at at the head of of big change in this country. So, um, my name, yes, is Anna Malino, I'm a pediatrician, I am past president of Physicians for National Health Program, and I am one of the lead organizers, thank you, for National Single Payer. We are a national organization of social justice movements just like yours, united by three non-negotiable, non-negotiable demands. One, healthcare is a human right. Everybody in, nobody out. Say it after me. (laughs) Everybody in, nobody out. Two, healthcare must be free from corporate profit. Everybody in, nobody out. And three, healthcare can only be established through national legislation. Everybody in, nobody out. So let's go through our three demands. What does it mean when we say health care is a human right? Well, a human right starts at birth, not at 65. A human right means we do not go bankrupt from medical bills. Healthcare is a human right means everyone, from conception to death, has the right to comprehensive, accessible, affordable, universal, gender-affirming. Uh, Anti-racist, non-incremental, equitable health care for all. Now, do you think this is going to be handed to us? No. Are we going to have to fight for it? Absolutely. Now, second demand. What does it mean when we say health care must be free from corporate profit? Well, let me tell you that while we were busy organizing this march for Medicare's birthday, so happy birthday, Medicare. Government officials this past week medical professional societies like the AMA, academic institutions from Harvard to Stanford, and health policy think tanks, and over 30 corporations, publicly traded, investor-owned corporations convened at a summit to do what? Do you think that they convened to protect Medicare? Absolutely not. They convened to hand Medicare to Wall Street Yes, absolutely. Now, don't let, don't let them fool you. They hawk value, they hawk of accountability, they hawk equity. As if corporations that created the inequality in the first place could ever achieve health equity. So, well, um, you think that Wall Street is just going to give up? <laughs> no way, no way. We're going to have to fight for Medicare for All. Now, demand number three. What does it mean when we say health care for all can only be achieved through national legislation? Well, should we leave Medicaid? Medicaid expansion to the states? Should we leave abortion rights to the states? Should we leave voting rights to the states? Should we leave health care rights, rights to the states? Absolutely. States' rights have never moved this country forward. In fact, it's always moved us backwards. There is no incremental, incremental program that can ease us step by step, state by state, to the removal of the corporate powers and to private insurance companies. Private insurance companies, corporate profits, must be removed from the system through national legislation. Thank you. This is our crisis moment. COVID-19 has proven how ineffective, inefficient, inhumane, and honestly, indifferent our healthcare system is. One million dead from COVID, 339,000 of which could have been prevented had we had a national health program. And I will tell you, all of us here today, we are going to be living two and a half years less because our life expectancy went down by almost two and a half years during the pandemic. But this loss in life expectancy was highly racialized. Blacks have lost three years in life expectancy and Native Americans have lost almost five years of life expectancy. Is this fair? Is this equitable? Does this add value? No, Wall Street is not going to save us from this. And while Americans died, the three largest health insurance companies, let's call them out, United Healthcare, Humana, Anthem, saw their profits double. And the pre-tax profits of Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, are, how much, $1,000 per second. So since I've been up here talking, and I know that I'm going on, they've made $300,000 And how much are they gonna make today to celebrate Medicare's birthday? Eighty-four million dollars. Today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that, unless we stop them. Now we think this is normal, we're breaking news. This is not normal. It's not normal to go bankrupt because you were uninsured during COVID. It's not normal to uh, uh, sorry, it's not normal to, to, to go bankrupt because you're sick and it's not normal to die from COVID because you are uninsured. And it's not normal to wait until you're 65 to get on Medicare. Yeah. Where else? Where else? It's not normal to profit from other people's misery. This is American exceptionalism. Our malady is to think that we are exceptional when really? We are alone. The imagination of our people in this country is so stunted that all we can imagine are dental visits for seniors and cheap eyeglasses for seniors. When just about everyone else on Earth has world-class, excellent health care for much less, what do we demand? What can we imagine? Dental cleaning! Well, our job today is to open up people's imagination to what is possible and to what is our right. We are here, and I'm not the first one to say this, speaking truth to power because we know that power concedes nothing without a demand. And here are our demands. We have three non-negotiable demands. Healthcare is a human right. Say it after me. Healthcare is a human right.
1: Healthcare is a human right.
7: Thank you. Everybody in, out. Everybody
1: in, nobody out.
7: Healthcare must be free from corporate profit.
3: Healthcare must be free from corporate profit. Everybody in, nobody out. Everybody in, nobody out.
7: Healthcare must be achieved through national legislation.
3: Healthcare must be achieved through national legislation.
7: Everybody in, nobody out. Everybody in, nobody out. Thank you.
4: For more information about Kentuckians for Single Payer Health Care, you can go to our website, kyhealthcare.org, kyhealthcare.org. You could also follow the group on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. Uh, the group meets twice each month, the first and third Thursday, and we meet by Zoom. If you would like to attend one of our meetings, you can reach out to Kay Tillo, our chairperson. Kay's address is n p o at aol.com. Nurse NPO at AOL dot com. And if you haven't heard, uh, Apple Shop needs help with their uh, recovery efforts. Their operations uh, were devastated by the flooding there in uh, the Whitesburg and Eastern Kentucky area. This Friday, August the 12th, at the Kentucky Center's Bombard Theater, there's a concert to benefit their recovery efforts. It's $25 a person. Uh, please help if you can. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening. For Single Payer Radio, I'm Mark McKinley. searing
0: memories in my life is being in a children's hospital in Boston with my son who had lost his leg uh, to cancer and he was under a regime that was going to take three days of treatment every three weeks for two years in order to be able to be in this uh, process or this system this treatment that offered the best opportunity. And it was being paid for, since it was an experimental, by NIH. And they paid for probably the first four months that I was in uh, that uh, particular regime. And after that, it demonstrated some success and they stopped the the payments. But for all the other families, they didn't have the kind of health insurance that that had. It was $3,000 for every family every three weeks. And I listened to these families who's had their children, had the same kind of affliction that my child had. And they said, look, we've sold our house. We have the $30,000. We have $20,000. We're able to afford it for three months, for four months, for five months. What kind of chance does my child have to be able to survive? I knew that my child was going to have the best because I had the health insurance of the United States Senate. And I knew that no one, no parent, no parent in that hospital had the kind of coverage that I had. That kind of choice for any parent in this country is absolutely unacceptable and wrong, my friends. And I can tell you this. When every member of the United States Senate comes in and signed into the United States Senate, they signed a little card in two places. And one is their signature for their salary, and the other is for their health insurance. Their health insurance. Now, Senator Brown of Ohio, to his credit, will not accept it until the people of Ohio get it. Every other member of the United States Senate, every other member of the United States Senate has accepted it and for the 15 times that i have fought on the floor of the united states senate that we ought to have universal comprehensive coverage and to listen to those voices on the other side that have universal and comprehensive coverage and say no it is not time we can't afford it it's the wrong bill at the wrong time my friends if that health insurance is good enough for the members of the congress of the united states and good enough for the president of the united states it's good enough for everybody in montgomery county everyone in pennsylvania and everyone across this country